Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the FHU Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Josh Ketchum, and I am especially glad today to have Dr. Milton Sewell with us. Welcome, Dr. Sewell. Thank you, Josh, for letting me be here with you. Well, Dr. So we recently recognized you at Fried Hartman for working and serving here 40 years. And I just wanted to ask you, I know people think about you in the years you served as president, but what all roles have you done at Fried Hartman through those 40 years? I was here first from 76 to 83 as vice president for institutional advancement and planning. And then I left for seven years to go to Mars Hill Bible School as president down in Florence, Alabama and then came back to Fried Hardeman as president in 1990, served from uh, 1990 to 2008 as um, president, and then the board and the president appointed me as chancellor. So I'm still serving in that role as chancellor of Fried Hardeman. Yes, sir, and, and when this is not a retirement, I can, I can certainly vouch he is in the office every day or in the car going places and still making many visits and uh, just serving Fried Harmon in all kinds of capacity, and we're so grateful for your service. Well, thank you very much. It's a privilege to get to work for Fried Hardeman. Anybody that gets to work for Fried Hardeman, it is a wonderful, wonderful privilege. It is. I'm so blessed to be here. And um, you, you told me you don't have any plans of retiring either. You're just going to keep serving. As long as Fried Hardeman needs me and I can serve, I plan to work, uh, continue to do work. It's, um, it's a place where you can put your heart and soul and mind uh, because you're helping young people to achieve their goals and achieve uh, a spiritual life. And I see so many people out there that have graduated from Fried Hardeman around the world. And uh, you can meet them at church. They're going to be at, at worship on Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And uh, they're serving, they're teaching Bible classes, they're preaching, they're, they're leading singing, leading prayers, and they're rearing Christian children. And, what greater work can you be in than doing this? This is not work. It's a passion. Yeah. And so uh, it's a blessing to just get to be a part of Freed Hardeman. And when I think about your success in this work that you've had through those 40 years and even in other places before that, it all relates to your ability to, to connect with people and your ability to uh, serve people and the passion you have for that. And, and so that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast today and I appreciate you coming on uh, to just try to to learn from you and to share with the church leaders and those listening to our podcast out there how to be successful as a leader when it comes to ministering and serving to other people. And so, Dr. So, I want to ask you, um, why are people skills so important to leadership success? When you look at uh, every individual, they're made in the image of God, and they're, everyone is different. There are no two alike. And then you just appreciate that, that they are recognized, they are, you recognize them as uh, in his image, God made, and uh, you sh should show great respect. No matter who they are, there should be great respect paid to them. Everyone's important. Uh, if you put, if you should write uh, uh, something across your chest of how they feel about themselves, is they are important. They're important to somebody their mother, their daddy, their grandparents, their spouses, their children, their cohorts, 
they're really important people. I try to recognize that they're important and acknowledge that I recognize that they're important and recognize that they're special. You recognize them by the way you look at them, talk with them, shake their hand. It's that uh, firm handshake, that looking them in the eye and giving a small smile, but uh, being warm and uh, gracious to them because they're really important. Uh, and a, a smile is uh, universal mm. and people recognize it as something that's important. So that's an easy thing to do, but especially when you love people and enjoy being around them, then that's easy to do. Uh, people want to be successful and to be acknowledged as important. And if you can uh, uh, recognize that and, and carry it out in your discussions with them, uh, I'll tell you more about it later, but uh, I think you can. there's some things you can do to acknowledge that you recognize they're made in the image of God and they're important to somebody and to some work and, and to you mm -hmm. personally. So it begins with a universal respect you have for whether it's the person serving you at McDonald's or whether it's the person who may be giving a lot of money to Fried Harmon. You treat, treat them the same. Try your best. Now, everybody's different. And not every, you, you don't treat them all exactly the same way because they, some folks uh, are, are, are just uh, different. And mm -hmm. uh, you have to hey, try to acknowledge that you recognize who they are and what they're about, and um, it, and sometimes the best thing that you can do if there's a person that's angry uh, or are frightened, uh, just listen to them, and they will give you uh, what what's on their hearts. Uh, the biggest, uh, the greatest thing you can do is listen to them. Do you think a leader uh, can be successful without caring for people, without valuing people? Dictators do it all the time, mm -hmm. and uh, and they they sometimes get by with it, but it ultimately catches up with them, and they lose uh, the respect of lots of people. Uh, a braggadocio, uh, egotistical person, uh, ultimately gets uh, it comes comes back to hurt them in yeah. the long run. Yes. And in church leadership, you see that too, of people that um, if they use their church members or they're abusive to them in any kind of ways, it eventually will catch up to them. It does. It does. And, and I don't see all that many. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of the elders and deacons and preachers that I meet are people, servants. They feel like they are a servant of the congregation that they work with, the people they work with, or if they're members, that uh, they're servants of the elders uh, in a good way, not, mm -hmm. uh, not uh, bad ways, but uh, they they know where they are and uh, and just like uh, sheep have a great and good feeling for the shepherd and uh, want to follow and do what he wants them to do uh, I think that's a good model for the church well when we think about this going a little deeper into this doctor so what attributes or aims have you had in working with people through the years that have allowed for your success ever since I was a child I have always loved people. I've always enjoyed people. Uh, they're, uh, that's one of the most fascinating and good things that I can do. My parents used to say that I would stand out in the yard and wave at a car that came by on the country road. And any, if a salesman ever stopped at our house, we were delighted 
because we got to be with some people and got to hear what was going on in the community. I, I, I try to listen and learn from them because everybody has some information that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And if you can listen to, especially if you can listen to their heart and their experiences, uh, it's a wonderful time to grow and, and uh, get to know them better. And I like to treat them uh, like I, I want to be treated. Uh, the golden rule is universal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the Bible. Business schools uh, in, uh, incorporate the golden rule into good business practices. You treat others like you want to be treated, and it, it tends to come back. Sometimes it doesn't come back immediately. It may be a while. And, and uh, I remember talking to an old superintendent of school uh, that, that I was under, and he and I were discussing about dealing with people. How do you deal with people? And he said that he had found the best thing he could do, especially if they were angry or, or um, not very friendly or talkative, let them go ahead and talk. Try to, try to see that they talk 75% uh, of the time and you only talk 25%. And hold, withhold your judgments because Sometimes the judgments that you make, and we all size people up, mm -hmm. but uh, the way you size them up sometimes, uh, you may make a mistake in, in uh, dealing with them. And so uh, try, to, try to have patience with them, uh, listen, uh, listen for uh, there may be other things underneath the surface. I remember a story that made a great deal of difference on me one time. It was about a man that was on a, a train and he had a child, and it was during the night. The child just kept crying and crying, and, and the, the people got angry with him. Why don't you quieten that baby? Why don't you feed that baby? Do something. And uh, he, was, he, he finally he just said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing everything I know to do. His mother, who is underneath where we are right now in a casket, and he's missing his mother, and I, and I, I find it very difficult comfort him and from that time on mm -hmm. the whole train started having empathy with him and and took the baby and held the baby and, and helped to quieten it and, and uh, calm it down and because dad was frustrated and hurting and I run into people out here that sometimes that are hurting so badly un underneath the skin that uh, if you uh, if you just give them an opportunity they may need to vent a little bit and talk about it. I, I just today had a old, pretty long message from a physician, and she's an outstanding physician, and, and she, I, I could tell that she was hurting very badly uh, from some things that had gone on, uh, and, and so I'm going to be giving her, uh, I've already given her some advice, uh, but um, mainly I'm just listening to what she's, um, uh, and I'm telling, I reminded her that you know, God owns everything, and we're stewards, and you're being a steward of your time and effort, and we're here to do good, mm -hmm. not bad. And sometimes if we start hurting ourselves, we can hurt others. And so it, 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 there's a time, what I'm hearing her saying, I need to take some time and sort of take care of myself because I've just lost my mother and daddy, and, uh, and, uh, and she wish she had. So, and she's an only child, so she's really struggling, but outstanding in her field. 
she does mentoring of a lot of doctors, and uh, and so she feels a tremendous responsibility there. But am I urging her to start thinking about her herself? She's got to take care of herself, or she or she won't be able to take care of anybody else. So treat people like you want to be treated using the golden rule, and try to see the good in everyone. Uh, as Christ has set the example for us, there's there's good in everybody if you look for it. Uh, even the people in prison, there's some good traits that many of them have. At breakfast this morning, uh, one of our men that's at the breakfast said he just baptized a, per, a person in jail last night, and he was uh, asking us to pray for that him, this man, that he might uh, continue the journey of being a faithful Christian. So. Look for the good. Uh, it's easy to see the bad. Uh, look for the good. It, I, a friend of mine reminds me that uh, if you t- take a piece of paper and put a dot on it, mm-hmm. say, now, what do you see there? And um, uh, the, most people will say, I see a dot. But really and truly, you've got a big piece of paper there. There's usually a lot more good out there than there is that little bad uh, habit. That We all have some uh, weaknesses. So those are really good things. Um, Those are things that we've heard for years, but I think our culture today does not emphasize those as much as maybe your generation really emphasized some of those basic things. And our young people uh, often are lacking some of those skills or some of that basic, you know, understanding. And so I think that the things you're sharing – we cannot just assume that we live them or that others even know them in a basic idea. So this is some really rich stuff that we need to be reminded of. One thing you said, too, that uh, about, about the story you were telling is that we have to realize that sometimes we can hurt others by hurting ourselves. Yes. I just yes. wanted to call that to attention and make sure our listeners heard that. That was a great statement. Uh, you don't you're usually hear it said like that. I like the way you said that. Would, would you comment any more on that? Well... Jesus took time to go into the mountains and to rest, Mm -hmm. and he was under a lot of stress. Um, I remember when I was president of Mars Hill and President Fried Hardeman, there would be some times that that stress would be just almost unbearable. But you're doing the job and doing the best you can. But it was amazing after a good night's sleep or taking a day or two off to just relax, how it could uh, make a difference. And you could be much more productive. Even as I've gotten older, I sometimes will go home and take a little nap after lunch, and I'm amazed at how much better I feel uh, and can do the, my work much more effectively after I've had that little uh, rest. And so um, you've, your stewardship, you have a stewardship responsibility of yourself to control yourself and to um, nurture it, take care of it, so that you can do the work, do good and not harm. I've, I've seen times when uh, people have got, gotten to the end of the rope, you might say, and they're just hanging on. And what they need best is some time to just relax and, and uh, refresh themselves. And, uh, and that's, God gives us time to do that and expects us to do it. It's a part of the stewardship of our bodies and our influence and our spirit. Yes, sir. That's a good, good thought. And, and something, some of the teachings of Jesus that I think we neglect is, is come aside and rest for a while. Yes. 
Next question uh, that I wanted to ask you about is where did you learn uh, these skills and, and how did you develop them within you? So over time, um, how did you increase these skills in your life? I was reared in a wonderful family. I had a mother and daddy and two sisters. I was between the sisters. And I have two loving, caring uh, sisters now. My parents are deceased. And we think about them often, but uh, we, we uh, rejoice because we know where they are. They were faithful, dedicated Christians. Daddy was an elder in the church for 57 years. And Mama was right there with him all the time. And I heard her on many occasions say, Daddy rolled on a problem. He rolled around and had a problem that he was dealing with. But uh, he, she hardly would probably never know what it was, but it was something as an elder that he was having to deal with. And so I, I watched my parents, how they uh, treated others. And uh, then I had uh, an extended family uh, that goes back to the influence of T.B. Larimore uh, for many years and E.H. Imes and Ralph Snell. These were people that were giants in our family. We'd watch them as they were developing, but being reared in a loving, caring environment was the way that I was reared. I, th I thought everybody was like us uh, because that little community I was in and that little church down in Alabama, uh, New Hope, and almost everybody where I worshiped were kinfolks. And I can recall when we went over 50, uh, and it was we broke a record and went over 50. But out of that little church down there, because it is a loving, caring community, New Hope Church of Christ near Florence, about 12 miles out of Florence, Alabama, there have been four Christian college presidents that have come out of that, that, that little church. And I was the last one uh, in the church when I came out as uh, about uh, 125. Uh, but E.H. Imes, who was president of Lipscomb, Brother Howard White, who was president of Pepperdine, and there was another president of, of a college down in Florida, and that college is no longer in existence. And I, I don't remember his name, and then, then I was president. But I think it was that environment, my family's environment of caring about one another. We worked hard, we were poor, but we were blessed. We had the, the best of blessings of we prayed every time we got for a meal. Uh, we were there on Sunday morning, sometimes the first ones there, and sometimes the last ones to leave, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And uh, that was just a part of our culture. And you had to lock your doors sometimes to keep people from putting a bunch of cucumbers or tomatoes or, or things in your car because they were always willing to share uh, what they had. But the church I was reared in, it was so loving and kind and encouraged us to use our God-given talents. One of the things that they did every Sunday night, they let the little boys get up and lead a song. And I remember many times, sometimes the little boys would get up and the songbook would be upside down. They, they, did, they couldn't read, but they let them. And so they've always nurtured the young men. And, and out of that congregation have come several elders and deacons and preachers and, and so it's um, what the whole community is sort of a nurturing uh, place then I attended Mars Hill Bible School and we were nurtured a great deal by uh, Ralph Snell and Lawrence Williams and great men of God that were there as teachers and 
then I, I was able to come to Freed Hardeman. And those two years here as a junior college changed my life to a great extent. They helped me to see God in an in a even better way. I began to see brothers from around the country. And some of those brothers that are good friends now, we still are really good friends. We stay in touch with one another. And that's been since 1962 when we uh, were last, some of us were last together. And uh, then I went on to Harding. And I remember uh, Dr. Benson speaking to us in, at church one Sunday morning. And it was about the, all the evidences of that there was a flood. And, uh, and I, I, I saw my faith really begin to develop uh, more at that time because it was my faith and not just my mother and daddy's faith. So uh, being able to do that, uh, it's, um, I will never be able to repay Mars Hill, Fried Hardeman, or Harding uh, for what they, they gave me. I'm totally indebted to them and uh, will do everything I can to be of help to them. Of course, I'm working with Fried Hardeman, and that, that's the only place I ever left that I wept when I left because it was such a good school. It, it, the friends that were here were deep, and, and uh, I just have a great, and so I, that's when I, was given the, when I was given the opportunity to come back and work at Freed Harbor. I thought maybe we can help some other students that uh, have what we had when we were there, and I think we are. I'm so glad that two of my children are here, grandchildren are here. One's a senior and one's a sophomore. And they're getting the same kind of love and care. And, and the great leadership that um, uh, Brother Dixon recognized everybody by name. And Brother Snell did at Florence and Mars Hill. They recognized your name. They knew something about you. And Brother Dixon would come by and say, uh, uh, Brother Sewell, how are you doing today? And how are you folks in Florence, Alabama? And uh, that means something he, that he knew. And... Uh, so it, it's, I'm just grateful for that. And my work experiences have been good. I've worked in public schools and private schools uh, that I've met, Mars Hill, private schools of Mars Hill, but in the public schools of Georgia. And I, I realized that the, the training that I'd had worked there well. I was named the outstanding principal one year. And uh, I, think, I think that goes back to the training that I'd had uh, in, in my family, in the school, in the work that we had, uh, because uh, I, you're not out just for yourself. You're out to try. What what can you do to help others? God's for God owns everything. We're stewards. We're here to do good and not bad. And so you that gives you some good marching orders, where whether you're in a Christian school, public school, or out in the business world, treat others. And I'm just fascinated by, by the School of Business here at Fried Hardeman and uh, the way that they teach them. And they're teaching those young people about the golden rule, and they are excelling once they graduate from here. Uh, you, in most business schools, the books that they use, they will incorporate the golden rule of treating others like you want to be treated and and uh, and. Chick-fil-A is, has done such a good job, and the church has done a good job of it, too, uh, in so many places. And, and so uh, uh, I think I, I'm just a, a 
I'm, I'm, I'm just living out what I've been taught. That's, I think that shows your gratitude, your humility, and also um, that others poured into you that then gave you the model of how to treat others, and you then lived out that model in your practice and believed in it and showed it. And so what was nurtured and given as an example to you through your church, through the schools, through your family, then was able to come out in your professional life. I want to ask another question that um, kind of extends what we've been talking about. How do you help people feel valued? We talked about that one and important, but here's the, the added element without feeling used, you know, because, because when you, when you are in a leader and you need things from others and you depend upon others to exist, how do you care for them without making them feel like they're just being used? The old uh, principle that I've been taught as far as in fundraising, let them do 75% of the talking, you do 25%. Listen. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Listen to what they're saying. Uh, you, if you, 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 I've seen lots of gifts uh, of people uh, who've been turned away because whoever was presenting talked too much. Uh, you have to listen. Uh, people have been turned away from the gospel because they weren't listened to. Uh, they need to sometimes be listened to. What, what, where are they coming from? And, uh, and many times they'll come back if, if they're coming into uh, uh, wanting to know more about uh, the Bible and the church. I remember a couple that I went by to see in Georgia. The, the, the elders at the Olive Street Church of Christ had asked me to go out and call on this family they had, they had listened to Herald of Truth, and they sent the letter in uh, to that they would like somebody to talk, speak with them. So the elders asked me to take the letter or the note and go out and see this couple. And they were sitting on their front porch when I got there. And just to do small talk, I asked them how, how many children they had, and they said, we have one, one on the way. They asked me, how many do you have? And I said, we have one and one on the way. Well, later on that month, uh, he was baptized. Uh, and I didn't do the study. Someone else did the study with him. And then about the end of the year, she was baptized. And they became very faithful, dedicated Christians, started coming to worship. And then we moved away in 76 in, uh, to come to Freed Hardeman. This was in Marietta, Georgia. We came to <clears throat> um, Freed Hardeman and... Uh, and then in 92, our son Shannon was selling books in Georgia. And uh, he called me one day and said, Dad, I'm coming home in a couple of weeks. And I would, there, I've met a girl I'd like to uh, come home, bring home and for you all to meet. And he said, uh, her daddy's, well, I'm going to have to come on early. So her daddy's going to bring her to Nashville. I'll meet her on Friday evening, bring her, and if, if we can have dinner at the house, then uh, she'll visit until I'll take her back on Sunday afternoon. Well, uh, we were sitting at the table, and I, I said, um, I asked the young lady, I said, uh, uh, did you know that we lived in Marietta, Georgia? I was going to see where, and she said, uh, yes. I said, we worshiped at the Olive Street Church of Christ. She said, that's where we worshiped. I said, who are your parents? She said, see on Louise White. And that's a couple, 20 years before that I'd gone to see, there were those two unborn children sitting side by side, had no idea that they that who, that's who they were, and uh, and they 
two years later got married. We have three grandchildren as a result of Shannon Karen Sewell. And Louise White lives here in Henderson, Tennessee now since CL has passed away. And, and that, I couldn't say, I, I just believe, I believe really strongly in Acts 2.38, the two blessings that are there. The number one is a blessing of forgiveness of sins. And then the other is a blessing of providential guidance. And I've been making a list of provident, things that I can look back and say, I had no idea they were going to happen. And I, I, I see, I see God, God says, I'll, I'll guide you if you'll do, do what's right and good, and I will bless you. And so I, I look at that. I look at people. I, I try to look, pe- <coughs> look people in the eye when they're talking to me. I try to uh, I repeat back to them what they've said that, I, that I'm hearing. I'm not looking away. I'm trying to hear what they're saying and sh- showing that I understand what they're saying. And appreciate their knowledge, their skills, and their attitudes, and and go from there. Good, good stuff. I love that story, Doctor. So I, I've heard you tell that one one time before, and my jaw was open then, and and it's still just such an amazing story. And I, I love that, and thank you for sharing that. And that belief in the providence of God that, you know, that we can have through our interaction with others, we can be a vessel of God's providence. Yes, yes. And that you know that you by going out and loving people those many years ago it then came back around to you and your family and and you think about the impact there and and the prayers that are being prayed and so our work and love of people is really the work of god absolutely it's, it's no question uh our our final um final thought that i want us to go to is what advice would you give to church leaders on how to connect personally with their congregation visitors and community and how this could benefit the local church the very first thing you can do is acknowledge them, recognize them, find out their name, repeat their name, try to mention the name two or three times to try to get it in your mind. And then if you forget it the next time, I'm just acknowledge I, I'm having difficulty in remembering your name, but I, would you be willing to share with me your name again? Uh, give them a warm handshake uh, that uh, shows that you genuinely care about them. You don't want to give them a, a dead fish, nor, nor do you want to give them a sledgehammer with a handshake. <laughs> you want it to be warm and kind and, and, uh, and give them a smile and find connections between you and them. Uh, if you'll listen long enough, we, you have connections with them. We're all cousins. Everybody on earth is cousins. If you go back far enough, all the way back to Noah, you know your kinfolk. So you treat kinfolks a little differently than you do animals or anything else but um, uh, showing that you appreciate them for what they're doing listen and it's, we have a, a, a men's breakfast every Thursday morning and the oldest per- persons there are 88 and the youngest is 33 and uh, uh, we just sit back and talk and listen and uh, it's it's uh, uh, one of the most meaningful things that I've heard when we ask some questions about different things and these older wise men who share their wisdom uh, on, on any situation. And I was at, asked a question this morning uh, about growing older. How do you grow old and be joyful in growing older? Uh, because you've all, already outlived several other folks mm-hmm. by the time you're at this point. And one of the young men, uh, who, the one that was uh, 
around 33. He said, I come, I ju I'm just listening for how you older men are talking because I, I want to I grow up and do well. And I thought, uh, g get with other people, uh, uh, listen to them, learn their story. Everybody has a story. Uh, I was sitting in the basement of uh, uh, the bookstore uh, one, one time and asked, I asked, uh, girl, asked several students, tell me your story. And a girl uh, walked by me and, uh, and she said, well, I don't have a story. I don't, I don't know a story. I don't have anything I could really talk about. And so she went on, but she turned around and came back. And she said, I do have a story. My granddaddy was the one that created those Bible studies that have been used over and over in individual personal Bible studies. That's, she said, that's my granddaddy. And he was still alive at the time. And I had used his material in converting folks to Christ before. But uh, if you'll listen closely, everybody has a story. And they really would like to tell it if, if you give them the opportunity. Sometimes it may take longer than you have time for. And you have to work with your time, too. You, you can take too long uh, in getting it. But the more of those stories that you can uh, learn and remember as many things about them, then you've got a connection there. And uh, they'll probably look upon you as a friend and want to be around you. Yes. Dr. Sewell, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And for all you do for Freed Harmon, all you do for the Lord's Church, and for your encouragement and love of people throughout the years. <clears throat> Is there, are there any closing thoughts you'd like to have before we close out our podcast today? Yes, I, I, I would like to say that uh, it's interesting that uh, in this building we're in right now, down in, on the ground floor, is Dr. Karen Sewell, and she's teaching teachers how to teach. And she was that little un, uh, baby that uh, was on her way. And I see her, and then our older son is, um, he was in New York, I may have, you may have told you. He was in New York, and uh, he flew home one weekend for Christmas, or uh, during Christmas. And uh, he said, I'm, Dad, I'm really lonesome. I'm 40, 40 years old, and I've dated such wonderful women, but I've never met the right one. He said, maybe I'm not the right person. Well, we talked a little more, and I said, would you like me to pray for you? He said, I would, Daddy. So it's him, Laurel, he, Laurel, and me, and we round the day, dinner table. I prayed for him. I prayed that, uh, I said, Lord, he doesn't know uh, who he's looking for, and we don't know anybody. But uh, I, I pray that you will uh, help him to be the right person and help him find the right person because you know who's all's out there. And as a result, uh, that when he went back the first Sunday after he got back, the preacher asked him to stand up and introduce themselves to all the people around them. And, and when it got to his time, they would tell something about themselves. When it got to him, he said, I'm Scott Sewell. I'm, uh, I've just moved here. My company moved me here, and um, I have my own apartment. I just need to know where the uh, uh, furniture stores are. And there was a lady across from him that looked at him and said, I, I know where they are, and I'll take you. They got together and had lunch. She was a graduate of Harding, and um, they, uh, they, uh, they went, and, and she called her parents that evening and said, I, I think I've met uh, – we've – I met who I'm going to marry in the future, 
and we are buying furniture today. Well, he didn't tell us, but he called his sister, told her about the same thing. And so it, it's, it was Amy Blankenship, and Amy is now teaching over in the School of Business. She had her own business in New York and was doing really, really well. And They met, but they decided to move to Henderson, Tennessee. And so he's still working with uh, Microsoft from his office in his upstairs, and she teaches young people about business. And that was providential. I don't see, I, there's no way in the world that could have been. Her dad taught at Harding, and her parents had been praying for the right person. And we get together every now and then and just talk about how God is blessed. So um, treat people, because uh, you never know, it might be your future son-in-law or daughter-in-law, or, or you might they may be your uh, in-laws that you'll be working with. Amen to that. Uh appreciate all these great thoughts and your service and want to um, say we appreciate our listeners out there. I want to encourage you to share our podcast with others and uh, feel free to email us at email me, Josh Ketchum at jketchum at fhu.edu if we can help you or serve you in any way. want to mention too because this podcast will be coming out before our church leadership workshop that it's going to be on September 29th and 30th and it's not too late for you to register or for you to come be a part of that. And so it's going to be September 29th and 30th of 2023, if you're listening to this much later on. And it's going to be uh, around the topic of ministry essentials. And it's at Mid-South Youth Camp. There's no cost. It starts on Friday at 3 o'clock and ends on Saturday at about 4 o'clock. You can uh, learn more about that at our website, www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to future episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harman Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.